0: Right, Jen Cooper, the keeper here, ready for the next episode of the Mix Zone Women's Soccer Podcast, sponsored by IcarusFC.com. This is episode number 305. With that number, we'll give a shout out to Sydney LaRue, who has played 7,305 regular season minutes in the first seven years of NWSL, including scoring two goals, recording six assists, and of course giving birth to two kids. Um, she's the most she's the most badass mother we know, right? And if you're wondering why I can randomly find these numbers um, and you're not already aware of my end of your cell Almanac, um, I do compile all of the league's data into an Almanac every year. you can check it out at keepernotes.com. Um, starting to work on the one for this year already. So today, this episode, one long chat with my friend Dan Laletta, who's been covering women's soccer for nearly 20 years. Um, You know, we take a look at the fall series and what it means, what we felt about it, but also mostly look ahead to... Uh, expansion draft. Uh, talking about the two big trades that have happened, with Crystal Dunn going to Portland and Louisville picking up its first ever players in Yuki Nagasato and Savannah McCaskill. And of course, there is a Jen Splainer segment. Um, Right before the end, talking about some of the expansion draft rules. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, tell friends about this podcast, follow me on Twitter at Mixzone and at Keeper Notes. And as always, it's two X's in Mixzone. And if you're not sure why, you might need to think about why I have two X's in Mixzone. Jen Cooper the Keeper here with Dan LaLetta of Equalizer Soccer. Um, let's say the only person who's been covering women's soccer longer than I have in this country. It's probably not exactly true, but it sounds like it could be true, right, Dan?
1: Oh, I think he got people I'll give Michael Lewis probably the title for having covered it the <laughs> longest. But he doesn't he, he doesn't cover it on a regular basis, so we should, you know, we, I could be the guy who's covered it the longest on a regular basis, and we'll give Michael Lewis title of guy who's covered it the longest.
0: Yes, yeah, and same as, general. like, some of the Soccer America guys and, and Bo Dewar and stuff like that. So we can say that we are the most addicted. That exactly. We, we have the, the deepest, strongest addiction, uh, which is why we're going to have to start pretty soon a women's soccer media anonymous group. Um <laughs> you know, to help us through. And, and I think I mentioned this before that, you know, at some point we will have a retirement home for old farts like us that just sit around in our rockers and talk about, um, you know, back in 1999, you know,
1: <laughs> yeah, is- we're not quite there yet. I know we're not young anymore, but we're not quite there <laughs> just yet. And we both have living parents. So let's not push us <laughs> over the edge just yet. Right.
0: I just, I just love when it, when I see that, like the, The progress that we've made—I mean, I'm going to be a dork about it every year—but you know, when when you think that we are moving into, you know, the ninth operating year of NWSL, that's huge. You know, um, you know that we have uh, Louisville expansion uh, about to be underway. We know Angel City's on for 2022. We keep hearing there's another team for 2022. pretty sure it's Sacramento but you know still waiting Sacramento
1: for that Sacramento is supposed to be in for 2020. <laughs> I don't know what happened there and then maybe 2021 so well, we'll aren't see. they I...
0: happy now that they didn't get in for 2020. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean I I don't know. I can I have do we are we around long enough now that we don't have to announce the year every time a new season begins until unless it's a round number.
0: I Uh, I think we need to get to 10 and then we don't have to know the number of years because nine's kind of cool, right? Because you can say it's three times as long as the WSA or it's three times as long as the WPS lasted. Okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. But once you get to 10, yeah, then we should go 10 years, 15, 20, 25. Yeah. 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 Because right, you don't hear
1: like hey this is the 83rd NHL season or whatever. They didn't 100, but they had a big, you know, they did a big deal for 100 which they should have, but you don't hear every every other year what, you know, what number it is. or This is the historic 94th season longer than any other hockey league. You know, like I think we've beaten that narrative into the ground at this point yeah, I think. Yeah. I hope.
0: Yeah. Well, and it, it's the kind of thing like uh, how, uh, You know, us having paid attention to this so long and so closely that it's easy to forget uh, the perspective of someone for whom this is still pretty new, whether they started watching after 2011, after the 2015 World Cup, after the 2019 World Cup, or after this summer because they happened to discover the Challenge Cup on CBS. Um, But if
1: you're new to it, then you even have less of a reason to worry about how long the other leagues lasted for.
0: (laughs) except except my my counter to that is uh, as someone who you know once i started following what i wanted more and more of was like well what happened before like learning like ooh there there was a world cup in 95 and 91 and oh oh there was only a olympics in 96 and and learning you know so um but anyway we'll get we'll get off the we'll get off the number thing uh, but what I, what i like about right now is we're we're entering into uncharted territory, but it's different uncharted territory from the wild west of the very early years of NWSL, right? Like we have this expansion draft coming, but we've already been through an expansion draft twice. So you can say, well, do we do it that way? Do we tweak it? Do we do do it completely differently? Right? Like there's actually some precedents, whether or not you follow them, you know, is a different story. And we have this, incredibly insane year that kind of pushed forward the whole concept of loaning out players in a way that what we've only seen in the league before was in the off season, players would go play in Australia. So they'd go on loan, right? This was a whole different, Okay. Well, players had to make a choice of well, I need to be in Europe for my Euro qualifier, so I need to go on loan. Or if I go on loan, I'll get more games than if I stay here for the fall series. So I, I feel like we're just in a very uh, a very different different place. But it's 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 good. I mean, I feel like I've been explaining to a lot of people, rather calming the nerves of a lot of people. They're like, "Is this bad for the league?" I'm like, "No, this is you know, this is actually probably." what has to happen when you have these quarantines and these qualifiers and each player is kind of having to make a choice based on where she is with her national team, where she is with her club, you know, does she need more experience? Does she need rest? You know, all, all that. But before we get into, before we get into that, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, I, I do want to just kind of wrap up quickly the, your your thoughts on the fall series and then we'll jump into um. expansion
1: well if i'm being completely honest i was not as locked into the fall series as i was the challenge cup or any of the other seasons but i think it's really good thing that the fall series happened they were able to have teams travel to different markets every team traveled to two different markets and had those teams come to them and that went off pretty much without a hitch in fact the holdup wasn't covid related it was um you know, wildfire-related early on in the in the thing. Um, you know, I think that for certain teams, I think you look at Portland went through the um, even though they advanced in the knockout rounds in the Challenge Cup, but they finished at the bottom, and then to come back and be undefeated in the uh, fall series and, and win it was a was a good thing. And I think the Dash, even though they didn't have Rachel Daly and some of their other top players for the fall series. I think it was good for them to kind of back up what they did by winning the challenge cup, because, you know, it, the challenge cup was the sort of thing where, you know, it could be like, Oh yeah. Remember when the dash won the challenge cup, ha ha ha. Right, or it right, could be, right. Hey, remember when the dash, you know, started to find their footing in the challenge cup. And, uh, you know, I think, so I think it was important that they, show well, which they did. And, uh, you know, even for the courage to finish in the middle of the table, uh, you know, and again, that is a complete shell of the team that they were when we last saw them at full strength. And they probably won't be that team ever again, but they'll certainly be a lot better come April than they were in the fall series in terms of personnel. But it does change some narratives a little bit uh, in terms of the courage. You know, Sky Blue, again, is a a club that needs – to just have better results. You know, it's one thing to say, well, we have these young players and draft picks and we love the coach and we're going to play at Red Bull Arena, but to actually get some results and finish in the top half of the table was a positive thing. You know, CBS showing the games each week was a very big positive. Uh, There was the one week, uh, I think it was the wildfires, right, was when they changed the CBS game at you know with like forty-eight hours' notice or whatever, so yeah, you know, the, good cooperation. Carolina-Houston
0: game back, yeah.
1: You know, and that's easier to do when you're not selling tickets. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, to just move games around, but the fact that they were able to do that and have some cooperation, so we got the year with, you know that was so weird, and um, you know, hopefully, this is a bridge to some sort of a normal 2021 and these trades and the upcoming expansion draft hopefully is a signal of a return uh, to normalcy as good as we can get normalcy uh, for the time being anyway.
0: Yeah. I mean, I didn't expect, um, that, that, you know, fans or media would lock into the fall series the same way as they did with the challenge cup, because one, we had a lot more sports back on the table. Uh, you're getting into the school year, um, the games aren't every 3 or 4 days right so it was a much right. uh, sparser schedule but i i did really enjoy uh, having called most of the games that the games were more wide open right uh average scoring in these games was 3.5 goals per game when it was like maybe like 1.4 uh during challenge cup because so players are getting a little bit more rest you know half their games are played at home um you know obviously coaches uh, regardless of how much they want to win need to win they they're still using these games to experiment with formations or lineups or g- giving players minutes um So we had some really great dramatic games, (laughs) including that that final weekend. I mean, Orlando coming back from being down 3-0 at half after giving up two goals in first half stoppage time to come back and tie it in second half stoppage time for a 3-3 game, right?
1: And I didn't even mention Orlando. I mean, they didn't even get to play in the Challenge Cup, so it was important for them to play in the fall series and to have a result like that. Yeah. They haven't had a lot to crow about in Orlando in terms of, uh, really the men's or women's soccer team. Now they got their men's teams in the playoffs and the women's team had that result there at the end. And they had, I mean, that team was, it was decimated. I mean, I do the, the roundup every week of Americans playing overseas and it seems like there's eight or nine pride players that are overseas right now. So they, I mean, they really were decimated in terms of their, uh, in terms of the roster. And, you know, I think players were in better shape in the fall series because I think, it, you know, right when – I mean, it was preseason, was like two days old, and then it got shut down. And, right, in March, uh, you know, yeah. Right, and, I, you know, you have to believe that there were some players that, you know, either don't train as well by themselves or just were not, you know, very easily motivated. Nobody knew what was going on. But the fall series was kind of on top of the Challenge Cup, which was in the altitude. So I think players were in – better shape and like you said I think coaches were a little bit more content to play a wide open style in the fall series how that manifests itself when we come back for the real thing I don't know but uh you know and again the personnel will be an awful lot different you know a lot of the fall series players are ones that we haven't seen before and some that we won't see again but um yeah it was a unique opportunity to be able to maybe play a little bit more wide open plus back lines that have been you know established back lines weren't necessarily together either, and that's uh, you know don't uh, don't you know don't sell an established back line short on their ability to keep goals out of the net.
0: And in Orlando, like you mentioned, um, they had the most players on loan. Uh, understandably, when when they didn't have the opportunity of the Challenge Cup, a lot of their players, and they had signed a lot of international players. I, I was wondering last March, I'm like, how are they going to meet the International player limit. Um, you know, so right. you had a lot of those players needing to go abroad, needing to get those games. So they had more players on short term contracts than any other club. Um, but what I loved is that we saw some amazing performances from those short term players. Uh, you know, Courtney Peterson, now, now She she's a regular fan. Carrie Lawrence started you know, all all the games. She had a a goal line save in their in their scoreless draw against North Carolina. Jordan Listro looked really good. Denisha Blackwood, who you know, played at a junior college and then a division two college, you know, never someone that would have been considered for the, the draft. Right. But she's played for Jamaica. She went and played in Prague, like getting a chance. Right. And, and of course, one of one of the greatest kind of WOSO so dork stories, Kate Howarth, and I'm not calling her a dork. I'm calling myself a dork. Um yeah. She had made an NWSL since May 2013. <laughs> she had yeah. four appearances with Boston Breakers, um, and then she got waived, and she stuck with it. She was playing with the New England Mutiny all this time in WPSL and then UWS. Last season, she was Player of the Year, having scored in every single game she played in. She had invitations from five different NWSL clubs for preseason, and then preseason blows up in March, then she's with Orlando in June, then they don't get to go to Challenge Cup. At the same time what she's an EMT uh in Massachusetts and but she's still chasing this dream. And so it's so great to see her get back on the field, right? Like
1: Yeah, for sure. And some of those other players you mentioned, there you know, some one of those players, maybe not specifically one you mentioned, but there will be someone that establishes himself because of the Challenge Cup slash Fall Series, you know, maybe both, maybe one or the other, Um, you know, even though a lot of those players we won't see again, you know, you will, we will look back and say, well, the Challenge Cup or the Fall Series made this player's career.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I kept saying during the broadcasts. And, you know, if anybody say, oh, these games don't matter, I'm like, to these players, they do because some of these people are, are playing either to keep their contract to get a new contract or you know you know that um, Christy Hawley from Louisville is watching you know that there's more expansion on the horizon I mean I would think for any player who's frustrated right now because she doesn't get a lot of minutes or you know hasn't made a starting lineup yet that when you think roster spots and in a year very likely another 52 That's huge, right?
1: That's for real this time because you wonder if players were hanging on thinking, well, they keep saying there'll be expansion next year, so maybe there will be more jobs and there is no expansion. So that must have been, you know, there must be players that that's pretty frustrating for. But now it's for real because we do have Louisville. We do have Angel City. Um, You know, maybe that makes me more optimistic than I should be about a 12th team for 2022, but it does seem like there will be maybe two teams coming in in 2022. So there will really be more roster spots available and not, not just the promise of new roster spots.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we already have, uh, we already know the first two players that will be part of Louisville. So big trade, uh, that, that happened, um, and, and I think it's interesting that part of the trade is now Chicago is protected from having anyone else taken in, in the expansion. Oh, well,
1: that's their whole, the whole trade. That's basically what, right. they, what they got right. for it. Right,
0: right. But I, I guess my, my point is, like, I've never seen that element as an announced trade value thing, right? And it makes sense. Um, but when, when I first saw that press release, I was like, okay.
1: you see it has (laughs) happened before in other sports but i don't know that we've had an expansion draft in many other sports where such high profile players can and will be made available because of the allocated player deal where you can only protect two and now the number of allocated players is so skewed and yeah we had you know ashlyn harris a few years ago megan klingenberg they were both um you know acquired based on that same metric but uh yeah, I don't remember a trade in any of the other sports um, where this happened, where the players were such a big deal. Um, you know, I don't like the expression full roster protection for the Red Stars because they traded two of their players to get it. So, you know, I think if it were, you know, full roster protection makes me think they didn't lose anybody. But yeah, they traded, uh, you know, Nagasato and McCaskill go to Louisville. That's not a bad first two players to acquire as an expansion team. And, uh, you know, it's... A,
0: and, and they sent an international slot for two seasons and a draft pick.
1: Right. I don't think the international no. slot to me is not relevant to the Red Stars because... And that's why I've
0: said to people. I was like, Rory doesn't use those. He actually said in the conference call that he may use more
1: this year, but he's not going to fill it up. So that's important for Louisville if they use them all. I don't think it's important at all for the red stars to part with that, which may I, cause you know, I talk a lot about the value of draft picks, but the value of international slots is so fascinating based on which teams want them and which teams, you know, don't want them at all. But, you know, I, a lot of people question the trade from Chicago's perspective. And, and I, I'll be honest, I have to agree with it because, you know, the, you know, they have five players that they would have had to, protect two of them from the allocated list. So probably they would have protected Ertz and Davidson, and that would leave Nair, Short, and Morgan Gautreaux, Nay Morgan Bryan, to be exposed. Would you trade either of those three for Nagasato and McCaskill? I mean, straight up on soccer, I think I would do it. Well, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I, I agree, but but I think we need to clarify that one thing that's kind of wacky about this um, is it's based on allocations, 2020 allocations, and we've right, known they might not be allocated again. Well, and and, and we've known um, since March that Gattuso's contract with U.S. Soccer was was terminated. Um, you know, so so it's like so she was she clearly wasn't going to be a 2021 allocation, right? So I just thought I thought that was kind of weird. Um, not that that was advertised a lot, but there was some news um, in in March that kind of clarified which uh U.S. players were actually on contract and which ones were just m- been moved to a well, they might be allocated, but they're not you no know, contract. Like all all, all yeah. the nuances. I, mean, I think are, they just you have, you have to go really with get little glimpses. at yeah. Well, I mean, I think they just have to go I mean? with
1: 2020 though. Because right. otherwise, right. You, I mean, you don't want to get into the you know nuts and bolts of who may or may not get an allocation in January.
0: Right, and and again, because this year has been so weird, it's not like Flacco has any has had any times to you know, make that designation, you know, we got to, we, I do want to reference the two previous expansion drafts just because, um, you know, I know there are listeners who were not following the league in January, 2014 or October, 2015, which is the only other times we've had expansion drafts um, in this league, you know, so dash being the first expansion team and they happened so late in the, in the cycle, basically right before Christmas, 2013. So, they had an expansion draft in 2014 and at that point they already knew who was going to be all the allocated players, Canada, Mexico, USA for that season, right? 2015, uh, the expansion draft was in November. They had announced Orlando in October. I, I can't remember, but I, I, I guess they probably just went on based on, you know, who the allocated players were at the time. And I think it's interesting to note that those two Expansion drafts. Um, the new club got ten picks. Uh, they could take no more than two players from any one club. And if you took yep. a national teamer, a U.S. national teamer, um, that was the only player you could from, from, right. from that club.
1: Um, Which is the same went. this year, except that it's two from every team. Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait, yeah, yeah, wait, 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 yeah, wait. Let's just explain that the one in the past. Um, and then teams could protect nine players if you were a playoff team and 10 if you were not a playoff team so you know you're kind of waiting it that the the teams that didn't make the playoffs get to protect an extra player and when you have a player picked then you get to protect one more player right so this year this year a little bit different i think it's interesting that it's you know louisville could have picked up to 18 players that's a lot of picks right like you're saying it up to you know two per team
1: yeah that's a game day roster
0: that, that's, that's a lot. lot. Um, now, 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 every right team gets just protect to protect 11, 11 players. Right, right. And there's, you know, you right at, we're at 19, 19 right now. So, it's basically the, the same size as when Orlando came on board in 2018. So, 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 more players are protected. protected. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, rosters are, so that's part of the too, too. But I did find it rising. rising, Wow, they're to get 18 ticks. And now that they have allocation money, There's an incentive for Louisville that the fewer national teamers they take from existing rosters, the more allocation money they can get uh, as they start to build their roster. So if anybody wants to delve into those details, you can go to NWSLsoccer.com. There's a big expansion draft uh, article that, that... that links to all the little details of the expansion draft. But I, I do think it's interesting that Louisville is given the opportunity to pick so many players. Right. And, um, and now we're at a point where it, there is kind of a wacky imbalance of who has how many national teamers, right? At this point, Washington spirit have zero Houston has zero Allocated players, so you know they'll both lose two players. Um, assuming, of course, that Louisville uses all their picks. I don't know why they wouldn't. Um, whereas, like you mentioned with Chicago having five, you know this 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 trade was probably the right thing for them to do to at least control who they lost. Right? Well,
1: the only but the only thing about that is that you know Rory Dame said in the conference call that they didn't have a lot of wiggle room because Louisville was very specific about who they wanted if they made this deal. So you almost have to wonder would it have made more sense for Chicago to leave Nagasato and McCaskill exposed and have Louisville take those two players and not have to give up the draft pick and the international slot. And did they send allocation money too or no?
0: I don't think allocation I don't, I don't, money. I
1: don't, I don't think, I think they did. The, but yeah. that, so they wouldn't have had to give up the draft pick and the, international spot now maybe in that case Louisville would have taken one of the allocated players and maybe the Emily Boyd injury which leaves Chicago with basically no backup goalkeeper to Alyssa Neyer, gave them a little bit of cold feet about dangling Neyer out there for Louisville because uh, that might have you know, maybe that's a little bit more dangerous when you don't have a second keeper in the pipeline at the moment but um, yeah I don't know it. It's interesting. I you know, I think ultimately, you know, Rory James knows what he's doing. He still has three first round picks left for twenty twenty one. I would guess he'll figure out a way to get um you know, twenty uh, one extra one for twenty twenty two by the time it's all said and done at the end of this draft, whenever that is. But it's a it's a fascinating trade. But Louisville's gonna have an opportunity to have a pretty darn good roster because they've got the first pick and the fifth pick and, you know, Portland's going to have to leave some interesting people exposed. I wonder if that'll be like, a you know, I dare you to take Crystal Dunn or Becky Sauerbrunn, who both forced their way to our city this year for personal reasons. <laughs> you know, and seriously, you know, remember when, you know, when Washington was leaving players exposed, Jim Gabara He basically did Ashlyn Harris a solid by leaving her unprotected. He very easily could have left Krieger or who was his third one at that time? I can't remember, but he had three players that he had to protect. And he, I think it was Crystal Dunn, actually.
0: Dunn, Dunn, yeah.
1: And he actually did Harris a solid because she wanted to go to Orlando and he could have played hardball and had, you know, and kept her protected, made Orlando give something up for her. And he didn't. He let her go in the expansion draft. And I don't think he's ever gotten any credit for that. And, um, you know, so I don't know. I, I, you know, I would leave Dunn and Sauerbrunn unprotected because, you know, they're not going to Louisville, right?
0: Well, so which ones do you protect for, for Portland?
1: Well, I think Heath and Haran are the obvious ones. And I mean, I, you know, I think Adriana French is, uh, if I were a betting man, I would say French, is the Louisville starting goalkeeper on opening day in April?
0: Assuming she's healthy.
1: Assuming she's healthy, of course. But I mean, I think Heath and mean and Heath seems tied into Portland as much as anybody. But I mean, who do you who do you leave exposed in that? I mean I think Dunn and Haran are the two best players on that team now. But um, I, I just I don't think there's any chance of Crystal Dunn going to play in Louisville when she basically said trade me to Portland.
0: I mean, I was thinking, could you risk not protecting Tobin Heath's rights because, you know, it's not like she's going to come straight back and she could, you know, kind of make the same Dunn and Sauerburn arguments. I don't don't know.
1: Well, I've been saying for a long, you know, I I kept toying around with the idea of would North Carolina maybe leave. Sam Mewis out there and now they don't have to worry about that because they traded Dunn. And I said, I might not take Mewis if I were Louisville because I wouldn't want to start my team with a midfielder that would run my midfield who wouldn't be there till the end of the season. And that goes probably triple for Tobin Heath. Who's, you know, in well into her thirties and doesn't have too many years left. So, I mean, you could go that route too, because I don't, you know, uh, I don't know if you can get in Christy Holly's head, but I don't know if Tobin Heath going to a new market is the way you want to start a brand new team either. I mean, there's, there's an awful lot for for Holly and Louisville to think about here. And we, we haven't seen the list yet, of course, but it'll be really fascinating to see what, what does happen with those players.
0: Yeah. I mean, Orlando's well, why... got
1: three too, by the way, Orlando's got Morgan oh, Krieger, or got Chris Krieger, not on the list.
0: They've got four. Krieger Krieger's a current and sonnet, right? Yeah, Krieger, Krieger, sonnet, Morgan, and and Harris. Yeah, um, this is why you know I, I've bitched about this before. It's it's like this is how we know we're not at at really good kind of media market saturation because there's not you know talk shows and and lists in the newspaper debating and arguing who you protect and who you don't protect and what what do you do with the rights and you know like. It it's fascinating, and and I want there to be more about it. And I even tried to set up a spreadsheet, um, you know, like here's a roster for each team right now. Of course, we'll have next week. We will have here's the current rosters, you know, because they're, they're re-signing players and stuff like that. And here's who's going to be protected. And, you know, now we know that, you know, Chicago is, is off limits and McCaskill and Nagasato are or with Louisville, but it, it's like, there's so much to digest. Right. Um, and um, it's not like 2014 or 2015 when the, the league was not very deep, right. Those were 20 player rosters. Um, so once you were protecting eleven, sorry, nine or ten, you know, it's it's like you had basically your starting lineup protected. We've got deeper rosters now. It's a stronger league, and this imbalance of of the national teamers. It's it's yeah. I mean, the calculus to this just keeps you know bumping around in my head, and I was like, ooh, I I wish somebody could set up a like a simulated you know, expansion draft, uh, you know, program or something uh, uh, online. And, you know, I'd love to hear more from Louisville, right? Like we don't know what their game plan is, right? Like we have a little clue now that they've signed Yuki Nagasato and Savannah McCaskill. And I, I like the the idea of, uh, of acquiring Nagasato as someone who has such tremendous experience And she's still young enough without being young, obviously, but young enough that, you know, she's got a few more seasons in her. She could probably set a great tone in the locker room attitude. But here's someone who's won a World Cup, won a Champions League, won Bundesliga, you know, helped Chicago get to the playoffs, right? And then Savannah McCaskill, who I feel like we saw her really tear it up in the Challenge Cup, um, you know, perform as best she could in in fall series. I think she kind of got cheated out of a game uh, by two yellows making a a red card. Um, But you know what she's, this is only, this was only her third season as a pro, right? And you know how how much she's fighting to get back into that national team pool. Uh, But I still, but I can't tell you like what I, what I think Louisville will look like next year.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, you know, that's the fascinating thing. Um, you know, and I think McCaskill's had kind of a rough go of it, you know, drafted number two overall by Boston. And then a day and a half later, the, or a week later, the team was out of business and then she wound up on a pretty poor sky blue team. Uh, but yeah, she had a really good, she's one of the players that really had a, you know, a standout 2020 and you kind of hope that it spills over into 2021. But some interesting things that Dame said about Nagasato, when he addressed the media was that he said and this is paraphrasing but he said that she set standards for our team that I didn't even know existed and talked about you know first one on the training field last one off and he made it very clear that he was not being cliché that she was literally the first one there and the last went off and held people to a much higher standard than had ever been done before when she got there, which was, I guess, the end of 2017. Right. So that could really, you know, that, you know, I, my belief as an expansion team is yeah, you want to get good players and you want to be good. You know, you don't want to be terrible. But in my opinion, when you have an expansion team, you want to start off by establishing a positive culture so that you can build on that culture because players are going to come and go. There's going to be swings up and down the standings over the years, but if you can get a positive culture established, then you can really do a lot to build up that. So, you know, if that's all true about Nagasato and I don't have any reason to believe that it isn't, uh, then maybe she is the impetus to really setting a positive culture for the new team in Louisville. And also if they, acquired that international spot you know it might have just been one of those things like ah, throw in the international spot it'll look better but you know if they're going to go over and above the international limit you know that every team gets set you know that that would make them mighty aggressive especially in an off season when I don't think anyone really knows how many international players will even come because of COVID.
0: Yeah it's I mean, we keep talking about 2020 and we can't wait till it's over, but it's not like all of this is going to end when when 2020 ends. There's still going to be a lot of um, unknowns going into 2021. And and that's a good point. You know, Um, you've also got, I mean, the, the the Olympics still remains a, a big question mark, right? Um, yeah, for sure. You know, we know it's scheduled, um, but, you know, there there could be the determination at some point of, you know, no, it's not going to happen. Or, I mean, I'm leaning towards the it happens, there's just no fans in the stands. But, uh you know, so if it happens, you obviously have these. all these teams have to prepare with that window where players are gone. Um, and if it doesn't happen, well, then that <laughs> that throws a big, big wrench into things um, a, as well. Uh, but let's, before we talk more expansion in 2021, let's talk about um, the other big trade uh, that happened recently. Um, and, and, and I think a lot of people sense that this was, you know, kind of, kind of, coming, given that her her husband, you know, is is one of the trainers for Portland. But Crystal Dunn making the move from North Carolina to Portland, albeit a a kind of a convoluted, what, three-team trade to make that happen.
1: Well, it sounded like North Carolina and Portland couldn't agree on terms, and so the rain stepped in. And I actually think did pretty well for themselves because they basically got Done for Casey Murphy and some allocation money, and then send Dunn to Portland for more allocation money than they send out and a first-round pick. Uh, so I think they did okay for themselves. You know, it, um, it's it's going to leave them with a void at goalkeeper for the moment, but considering they just stepped in to make this trade happen, I think they did okay. Now, in terms of the trade, you know, this was rumored a year ago. And it I really, really would have been disappointed if it had happened a year ago because that was when North Carolina was coming off playing Portland in the final, two years in a row. Dunn maybe was maybe still is the best player in the league. she's certainly in the top five or six, and it would just would have been weird to have her traded to basically the courage's biggest rival. I still don't love it; I still think that it's a you know I understand that Crystal Dunn wants to be near her husband's. I think there are athletes in team sports all over the country that would like to be in better locations or not have to uproot their children or not have to uproot their spouses for whatever their careers are in the cities that they're living in. Um, You know, and I'm all for trying to make it fit best for you. But you know, when you get Becky Sauerbrunn, I need to go to Portland, Crystal Dunn, I need to go to Portland and neither of these players are ones that are considered, you know, like in the high maintenance group, right? But it just – it doesn't always look good for a league when this happens. And, you know, if Portland winds up winning over North Carolina and Dunn is the difference, then that – I mean, that's – I don't know. It's just it's, – it's not great. But it's fascinating because I think there are some questions for me about how Dunn fits in Portland. I mean, she's good enough that – I mean, you can – should be able to figure it out, uh, but North Carolina's got a lot of work to do, and they're going to get hit. You know, they're going to get hit in the expansion draft. And I mean, this will help because, like we said, Mewis and Dalheimer now both get to be protected. They don't, you know, they don't have to worry about that. They're going to lose two good players.
0: Well, and I agree with you about um, the, you know, hey, that's where my family is. That's where my husband is. That's where my wife is. That's 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 the city I want to be in. Um, not that. I wouldn't want someone to have that opportunity if they could, but I do think it it sets a dangerous precedent for, for the league of, well, you know, you accommodated Becky Sauerbrun, you accommodated Crystal Dunn. Why don't I get accommodation? Right. When, Absolutely. you know, it, it, it's like sports, it's like, as much as we want to pretend it's not true, it, it's like sports is all about hierarchy. Right. Um, who, who's the best 11, who's the starting pitcher, who's the starting goalkeeper, you know, who, who makes the cut, who doesn't make the cut. Um, so Hey, if you're higher up in the pecking order, well then, yeah, you can make some demands um and and get things what you want but it doesn't mean that everybody is going to be in, in entitled to that um and I I was really intrigued by some of the headlines that I saw after this trade saying ooh is is Portland now going to be the power club and it, it, it's like it, as if there wasn't um an expansion draft about to happen right and then of course we have you know something we've talked about many times is the the very problematic system uh, that that's come out of the allocation, right? The the thing that basically gave birth to NWSL was, you know, U.S. soccer and pulling in Canada and Mexico to say, "Hey, we'll help a new league get off the ground by paying the salaries of, of the national teamers," right? And. You know, and, and it's evolving and you don't have the it's automatically the same number to each team as as it started out with, right? Like we mentioned, Washington, Houston, they've they've got none um right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Portland has a lot. Um, you know, uh North Carolina has solved their problem. They've they've just got Dahl Kemper and Mewis's right. So those are the only two that that they need to protect. Um but you know i i don't know how we make that transition to moving away from that and it and it's probably too early to to move away from that but that but that's only part of the yeah you know, the impetus behind this oh i i want to be somewhere so i can i can use the weight of us soccer um to help me make make this happen. I remember in, in the WSA era hearing from some coaches that they would have players, you know, and not big name players and not national team players um and say it's like, I wanna trade to so and so because that's, you know, where my my, my family is. And, and they're like, well, I talked to that team. They're not interested. So we're not going to happen, you know? So then that player well, would, how... reti- would retire. Right. And and it's like, well, wait, we didn't want that to happen. Right. But if, you know, if you're playing pro sports, that's, you know, that, that's the nature of the, of the beast is, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be, you're probably going to be separated. And, and if you have, you know, and this is pretty common in, in, in women's soccer, uh, if you've got a two-sport family, whether it's you know two women and or a man and a woman, that that's that makes it even more complicated.
1: Yeah, there's no question about it. And you know that you know, that's what I was going to also say is that what happens, you know, first of all, what happens if every national team player wants to go to Portland? But what happens when there's a player that wants to go to Portland or somewhere else, and the team says, No, I don't think that's a good fit for us. But we don't have anything to give up. We don't want to break up what we have here to accommodate bringing this new player in. So, you know, again, I it's one of those things that individually I can't knock Becky Sauerbrunn or Crystal Dunn for saying they want to go play and live near their husband slash boyfriend. But you would lie and who knows how many other times it's been you know, I mean Carly Lloyd basically same thing, right? Wanted to go home to New Jersey, it just, to, you know, because New Jersey wasn't, con- you know, Sky Blues, I considered the power team. So it wasn't viewed in the same light. No, and if you look, if you can make it happen, that's great to make it happen. But I don't know, the done done to Portland just, I don't know, doesn't feel perfect to me because of what, how important she is to North Carolina and how it could swing the balance of power in the league and yeah i mean there are occupational hazards that come with being a professional athlete and some of them are you don't always get to be with your family all the time but again you know hey if you can pull it off that's great go for it
0: well and even you know we we saw um You know, Alex Morgan, you know, she and Servando Carrasco were together at Orlando for a little while. And then, you know, Orlando City, the men's side traded him. And and she spoke about that in Time magazine what what year, year and a half ago, you know, that she was pissed about that. But it's like, hey, it's, you know, these are, you know, professional teams and businesses. And (laughs) it's like, you know, you might be great for the women's side, but if, you know, if he's not factoring in what happened with the men's side. And of course the Orlando city men's side has gone through so many changes over the last few years. Like that's a tough thing to make happen. I, I remember the first year of the dash, uh, so many people just assumed that Portland was going to trade Alex Morgan to the dash because that year her husband right. was playing for the Houston dynamo. Yep. You know? And so people kept saying, they're like, we're going to get Alex. Right. I'm like, no, <laughs> I was like she's starting where where she is, he's not where he is. Like it doesn't wouldn't make sense for her to come here.
1: Let's not forget also that Portland's trophies, the 16 shield and the 17 league title are basically because of that trade and that Orlando in a lot of ways is still chasing some of the I mean Orlando has never recovered draft-wise from what they did in giving up that first round pick. Ironically, they now have that pick, which is Emily Sonnet, but we, as we just established, may need to be exposed in the expansion draft. But I mean, Orlando hasn't recovered from that trade yet and it got Portland trophies. So, you know, it, that was a good trade that Portland made when they traded uh, Morgan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was, you know, similar to the crystal Dunn one, a pretty elaborate trade where, uh, so let's see Houston traded Megan Klingenberg to Seattle in exchange for Amber Brooks and the pick that became Rachel Daly. Then Seattle left Kling unexposed, uh, Kling exposed so that in the expansion draft Orlando took her first. And then Orlando dealt her to Portland in exchange for they got Kaylin Kyle, Alex Morgan, and maybe something else. And then Portland also got, along with that, they got the number one pick and, what, the rights to Lindsey Horan, something like that? Did I get that and, right?
1: And I think French somehow got in there, too. Somehow French was coming back into the league, and Orlando maybe had her rights. I, I feel like it's some way, shape, or form, that trade got French to Portland. Yeah so Uh, yeah the haran thing was i mean haran you know again we i said dunn might be the best player in the league haran might be the best player in the league you know that's no small thing to have
0: yeah 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 um and she's been pretty clear that you know she doesn't want to play defense she's not looking to play defense she wants to be an attacking player so yeah i think that that's going to be going to be really interesting um but of course before we even get to 2021 you know coming back to the expansion draft that's set for november 12th and it's kind of cool to see that for the first time there will actually be a broadcast of the expansion draft um not that all these people will be in one place at one time it's it's really expansion draft is a, a series of conference calls right um that'd be kind of mean to put all these players in a room and say, Hey, guess which one of you are losing your existing team and going somewhere else. Um, uh, But I'm excited that it's something that the league is, you know, creating more content around. So it'll be, you know, it'll stream live worldwide on on Twitch. Um, And we should have next week, we'll have the list from each team of who they're protecting. And like I mentioned before, each team can protect 11 players. Uh, max two of those 11 can be 2020 U.S. allocated players. Uh, Louisville can pick, and it doesn't really matter the order that Louisville picks, um, but each time a team loses, well, when they lose a player to Louisville, then they're allowed to protect one more player. Right. Um, and and if Louisville takes one of your national teamers, then no one else from your team um, will will be selected. And Louisville doesn't have to use all the picks, but I'd be surprised uh, if, if if they didn't max out. Um, it's just, I, yeah, I think it's going to be so interesting. And then, of course, as soon as that draft is done, then you have all these existing teams going, okay, well, this is who I'm going to have to replace for 2021 and how do I replace that player? Because, okay, you know, we know we're going to have a college draft, but given the really, um, off and on NCAA schedules, you know, some conferences have been playing in the fall, some will play in the spring NCAA is trying to do a championship in the spring. Um, you know, will some players, uh, you know, take an additional year if they can, right. Uh, and delay coming out of college. Will some, Will more players come out early? You know, it's it's like there's just there's so many different things. And as you mentioned before, like, you know, is it harder to get a European player or any foreign player uh, to come over you know, given uh, quarantine or qualifying or you know, all the different things that are out there. And, and hey, you probably don't want to bring over a player that's whose team is going to the Olympics, you know, because then you know you won't have her half the time.
1: Certainly not on a one-year deal. It's also interesting because if you go back to the last two drafts, probably it has been a lot harder for players coming out of college to crack NWSL lineups, partially because we haven't had as many retirements. And so the rosters are getting better. And deeper. And in theory, with the new jobs coming in, that would make things, it would make it easier now for the college players coming in, at least in the top 15 or 20. But if you've got an abbreviated college season or a non college season, and kind of like we said earlier about the Challenge Cup, if you've got players who are basically training by themselves rather than training in team environments, that's going to make the college to pro jump that much more difficult for all but the absolute top players coming out. So, That's another fascinating element of the draft is will there be as many players that are able to step right in and make an impact? And I'm not sure what the answer to that question will be. And again, if there's spring, you know, if they play in the spring, that could change things up on the other end where you might not get them until May, but they might be coming straight out of a competitive environment and be in better shape than they, you know, would have been if you had them just from preseason. So there's, I mean, there are so many things up in the air right now. this new season and pretty much every aspect of it
0: yeah and and of course we have these clubs you know hoping that they can um you know play play home games in front of fans Um, we saw a couple of clubs be able to do that late in the fall series Um, but yeah still still so much to be determined so well last few thoughts uh from you, Dan, just um maybe some how about this hopes and dreams for uh for twenty twenty one NWSL.
1: Oh boy, you're killing me. Um, <laughs> you, honestly, just to have a season that starts on time, that goes to the end, and that we can have an NWSL championship where the media can be there and and fans can be there. Um I mean I you know, that that should be the hope and dream for every sport at this point. Um, And, you know, what I've always said is that I want teams to take themselves more seriously as a professional sports league because we need to cross the barrier where the coverage – I mean, I think you said it um, earlier um, in terms of, you know, deep diving on these expansion drafts and the protected list and whatnot. And part of the reason it's hard to do is because the roster rules are not completely clear and you don't know exactly who is signed and who is not signed and who is really – you know, on a roster. So, um, you know, we need to get to where we're taking ourselves more seriously as a sports league so We can get more critical coverage because the more critical coverage is what will bring in the new fans.
0: Yeah. And, and, and here's my mini rant that I, can't tell everyone how frustrated it was for me this fall with the, the fall series that some of these clubs didn't even send out a roster release of saying this is who's is on our fall series roster right so you like you didn't know until a game started you know that's like oh that that player just didn't show up for fall or decided to opt out or you know unlike challenge cup where we got hey these people are opting out these people are you know this is her her injury status because that's that's what makes this all go round, right? It's like, we're constantly talking about when is so-and-so going to be back or did so-and-so get signed or who earned a contract, right? Like that's, that's part and parcel of, of pro sports. Absolutely.
1: So. Especially in a situation where like the fall series, where so many players were dropping out or on loan or whatever else they were doing.
0: Well, and especially to clarify to people that it, it's like, it's not, you know, necessarily bad that some of these players are gone, but I, you know, I wanted to address why they were gone. You know, and and really highlight the players that 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 came in. And it's, I think, as as a fan, it might be a little distressing where it's like, wait, where's that player I like to watch? And you know, we can't pretend that you know they're just invisible. But it's like, oh well, you know, so and so is nursing an injury, so you know, she's using this time to rest to recuperate for 2021. But she's still on this team, right? You know, like like that kind of that kind of stuff. All right, any Absolutely. last hopes and dreams for 2020? I mean, I do like that, having a final <laughs> that we could all attend. I think that's huge.
1: Yeah, good, uh, you know, uh, a successful final move into Red Bull for uh, Sky Blue and to have Louisville get off to a nice start, figure out who this 12th team is. Cause, you know, and one other, um, one other thing about this expansion draft is I wonder if – the league is thinking about a second expansion draft because, you know, there have been leagues where the expansion teams themselves, if there's more expansion the next year, are not subject to the expansion draft or that there are different rules for different teams depending on who they lose in an expansion draft. And if you're going to have, you know, Louisville's getting a lot here. You know, if you're going to tell Angel City, well, you're only getting nine in the expansion draft, they might push back on that a little bit. So how are you going to manage expansion draft two years in a row, maybe more than that with multiple teams coming in because it's, you know, I'm fine with North Carolina. They've been good for a long time and all this stuff. And so you're going to take some players away, but I don't think you want to completely dismantle the courage or the thorns just because, you know, or the red Stars, just because you've got a lot of expansion. So I hope the league is thinking ahead about how they're going to, um, you know, manage future expansion drafts.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, so much of what's happening now is really setting the stage, setting the tone for for what happens, you know, moving forward. And we know that this expansion and Angel City expansion that that, that won't be the last expansion for the, for this league and, you know, having having lived through the the flurry of expansion of of MLS from like what 2007 to to 2012 where I think there was one like every season, it it can be a little crazy. Right. Um, and it's not like there's as many places to, to pull women's players from as, as there are men's players. But I, but I think, you know, we're, we're at the beginning of a, a great adventure, Dan. Yep. I hope so. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to, to, to share your thoughts and, and opinions. And, you know, of course, I'll, I'll have to have you back on later when we can, uh, Realize how wrong we were about all of our thoughts about the expansion draft. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Time for a Little Jen's Blaining. Today's topic the upcoming expansion draft for Racing Louisville FC. The rules were confirmed this week. Each team can protect 11 players on their current rosters. Those protected lists will be announced on Thursday, November 5th. No more than two USA allocated players can be protected by any team. Uh, and of course, note that Chicago, they don't have to do their protected list uh, by virtue of their trade with Louisville, where they sent Savannah McCaskill and Yukinaga Nagasato and some other elements to Louisville. Um, they are totally protected for the draft, so they won't be participating. So Louisville will be allowed up to 16 picks in the expansion draft. That'll be on November 12th, maximum two per team. So no team is going to lose more than two players. Also, if Louisville picks a U.S. allocated player from any team, that's the only player that can be selected from that team. And they can pick no more than two national team players total, allocated national team players total. So they can end up with anywhere from 14 to 16 players after that expansion draft. Uh, So that's thursday november 12th it looks like it's going to be 7 p.m eastern there will be a worldwide broadcast on twitch so everybody will be watching on twitch you won't have to figure out how to watch it based on where you are Um, if you're curious about more of the details of the rules if you go to nwslsoccer.com there's a great article with all the the rules and i would also recommend googling uh, Orlando NWSL expansion draft or Houston Dash <laughs> NWSL expansion draft. You can see how it was done the last two times. It's A little bit different this time. It's a little bigger, but uh, you know the league is bigger. There's more players. The league is stronger, so it's a it's a different situation. But it'll be really interesting to see how all that plays out. Uh, and of course, we just got the lists um, this week of you know, whose player whose contracts have been renewed, extended, who's been waived, etc. So that's that's all the gens planning for the expansion draft for now. All right, time to wrap it up with the back four. First off, we had or we are in the process of having really the waiver draft for the league. And what that means is this, this week it was announced, um, all teams had to announce if they were waving any players and not, you know, physically waving at them, but releasing them, uh, waving W A I V E or wave, whatever, you get it. Um, so the waiver draft, players that have been released by their clubs, they have to go through what's called the re entry wire or the waiver draft, which means. All the other clubs um, have a right to to pick those players. If those players aren't picked, then their rights are free. They can go wherever they want. They can tr- try out with other NWSL clubs next year if they want, go to Europe, whatever, their rights are no longer held. So I think there's eight players that were waived. Um, the, the priority order of teams, of who gets first dibs, obviously Louisville, gets first dibs as as the new team. Um, There's no event that is the waiver draft. It's just teams have up until next Tuesday to submit their preferences. And then based on, uh, you know, if, if two teams say, I want that player, well, whoever is higher in the, in the order, gets that player. So anyway, long explanation for what's really, we'll just get an email. Uh, I think next Tuesday night or Wednesday morning saying, okay, these players were selected on the entry wire. These weren't, uh, and then following that we will get, uh, on the fifth on Thursday, the fifth, we will get the protected lists. You know, then we'll know exactly who's got, whose rights by club and each club has to tell us which eleven players they're protecting, and like I mentioned in the Gen Splainer segment, max two players, uh, max two U.S. national team players can be protected by each club. Maximum eleven overall. You do have to protect players whose rights you're holding on to. So say that Portland wants to protect Tobin Heath's rights. She counts as one of those 11 players. She counts as one of those two national players. Same for Rose LaBelle with O.L. Rain, Uh, you know, that that kind of thing. Um, And, of course, we had a a big announcement earlier this week uh, for Canada soccer fans. New coach has been named. Bev Priestman is taking over as head coach for Canada soccer. Um, I hope to have a chat with... A Canadian reporter probably next week uh, to talk about that. Um, you know, since Kenneth Heiner Mueller stepped away a few months ago, of course, there's been very little activity in international soccer. But anyway, uh, big news, new coach for Canada. And last, uh, if you haven't checked out my WOSO Nerd links on KeeperNotes.com, you definitely want to do that. That's where I have a uh, link to the Google sheet of NWSL rosters by club. Also, uh, you can see all time, well, not all time, but all U.S. Women's National Team call-ups dating back to 2015. Um, I've got game reports. I've got links to my almanacs, all kinds of great stuff. Uh, so be sure to check that out. All right, that's it for this episode of the Mix Zone Women's Soccer Podcast. I want to give a shout out to everyone who's been listening, anyone who tweets about this or shares this with a friend. Always appreciated. Uh, Got to give a shout out, of course, to Icarus FC for their sponsorship. If you're tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas and you want a completely custom kit for your Sunday rec team or your women's team or your kids' team, check out IcarusFC.com. And as always, many thanks to the Beautiful Game Network and also Sean for making this podcast possible. But now she's everybody's girl.